Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, and yes, please do not attempt to adjust your television sets. The man is here, the one and only mm-hmm. in the flesh. <laughs> the general himself, Mr. Bill Herzog. I am very happy to be here. How are you, my brother? Good to see you, Any brother. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making the drive over. It's Christmas. It here is Christmas. Got to put in a little extra effort. I mean, it's the holidays. <laughs> what do we say? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> jumping right into it. Yes, Bill Herzog is here for the evening. We got a great show lined up. You may notice we got a number of items on the desk that we are going to definitely get to. Uh, Tommy, this is our last show of the year. It is. So, Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. We'll remind you towards the end of the show. But we're taking that little break in between uh, the holidays, which will be the 28th next week. So, we're going to take a a show off, and then we'll be back January 4th, starting the first of the year. So, looking forward to that. Uh, Let's see. we got some giveaways tonight. It is Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, got some trivia questions we're going to basically be putting out there uh, throughout the show. So... Pay attention, take some notes, because questions later in the show will have to do with winning these prizes that we plan to give away. Um, before we get too far along, I want to also mention to a lot of folks, hey, we got a special going on here. Um, actually, I'll get to that in a second. Before we get too far along, Jordan's ready over there. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time, jump on over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. They're going to find some coupon codes that you want to take advantage of. You can still get 20% off all edge rods that are not previously on another reduced pricing discount or coupon code. Use at checkout, FHN20. You're going to get 20% off all fishing rods. And, of course, still through the end of the year, Phelps Game Calls, Fish Hunt NW10, and get 10% off all Phelps Game Calls. And uh, you ever seen Bill Herzog blow a duck call? No, but I'd love to. It's yeah. very impressive. It's mm, impressive. It? Yeah. yeah, the mm-hmm. cats come out of the woodwork. It's is impressive. It, is, is, it's, are you inhaling or exhaling yeah. when you, when you <laughs> blow that sure. call? Uh, <laughs> hey, Bill, we're going to talk yes. a lot of steelhead tonight. Okay. And um, in doing so, you and I have spent a little bit of time over there on the east side at uh, Bogan's Oasis. Oh, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you've never been there, yeah, uh, the scenery alone will knock your socks off. You need to go. Yeah. It is yeah. uh, It mm-hmm. is a special place owned by our good friends, uh, Louis and Tia Villagomez. They have a holiday special going that you guys are going to want to take mm-hmm. advantage of. We have limited access to steelhead fishing through the winter here on the west side. Take advantage of this. Bogan's Oasis all-inclusive holiday sale. 
Uh, fish and stay in February and March. Three nights in the cabins. And Bill, you know how nice those cabins are. Three oh, nights in the cabins. Two full days of guided fishing. All gear provided. All food. All drinks. All snacks. All meals. The whole deal. Seven fifty per day for two people. So that's three seventy-five per person per day. Now you're talking all the gear, all the guiding, all the food, a place to stay, hot meals, the whole shebang. Three seventy-five per person per day. Uh, <clears throat> two two day minimum. Check it out at Bogans Oasis on social media platforms. <clears throat> Excuse me, or www.bogans-oasis.com. Well worth your investment. You're going to see, again, amazing scenery in the right. canyons there over on that east side. Ooh. It is down in the lower uh, s- southeast corner of the state. Right. Very corner, almost into the Idaho uh, area. And then, so the terrain there is breathtaking. Mm. You're going to see rock formations. Yep. You're going to see steelhead water. You're going to see wildlife. You're going to see stuff that you've never seen over on this side. Rams. At, I, yeah, I highly recommend Tons of deer, at turkeys. Least do it once, at least. <laughs> you have to do it once. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. We will remind you again and through our social media platforms for all the information. It's definitely a go-to fishery, and you're going to enjoy those folks over there. They do an outstanding job. All right, running down the show, before we get too far along here, in-studio guest and longtime friend, Bill Herzog. The general himself is in the house, and we are talking steelhead. So we're going to break that down for you. First half of the show is going to uh, be all about going back in time. First half of the show is what it was, steelhead discussion uh, steelhead fishing in its heyday, 70s, 80s, and 90s, something to really look forward to. Then we're going to back that up second half of the show with some questions that you better pay attention to to win prizes. What it is, Bill, we're going to bring this back from the days of you and I doing radio. Wow. What it was, what it is in that comparison contrast. Second half of the show, the technologies, easiest time to learn, you know, to get out there and fish, all the intel you have, but yet uh, it's so hard nowadays compared to back then simply because there's so many fewer fish and fewer places to go. Mm. So we got that. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll mention the prize giveaways, second half of the show, so pay attention. Don't go anywhere. Jumping out for a quick break. We come back. Back in time, what it was, steelhead fishing with Bill Herzog right here, Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defines Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defines Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defines Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, welcome back here in studio, Dwayne England, Tommy Dolan, and in-studio guest, the general himself, Bill Herzog. Thank you again for uh, making that drive. Always my pleasure, man. You know I love being here. I know you do, and you do such a great job. So let's walk through a little bit of history here. One thing I took note of, Bill, 1969, okay? Yes. The steelhead was declared Washington's official state fish. As it should have. Not a lot of people know that. Mm. If you ask the general uh, masses, they're going to say Chinook salmon, of course. Well, I thought Mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. No, the steelhead is actually the state fish. 
Uh, hey, let's uh, let's think about this. Northwest Steelhead fishing back in the day is kind of a rite of passage, as we have talked about mm -hmm. many, many times. Uh, river fishermen battling the elements, fiberglass rods, Mitchell 300s, uh, Bantam 100 series or 201 series, right? Um, mm -hmm. Fiberglass rods, eagle claw hooks, oh, yeah. rubber hip boots, Absolutely. rubber coats, fingerless wool gloves, numb fingers, of course. You, you were cold mm -hmm. and sticky. Miserable, yes, yes. <laughs> Growing up and fishing Puget Sound rivers, mm -hmm. it was a wow. thing. It was a rite of passage, as I said. So, if I could still do it, I'd do it naked. Yeah, you I wouldn't probably care, would. You know? yeah. 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 But uh, the rivers were still open. You know favorite favorite right. river back in that heyday and what year? Wow. Can you narrow it down? <clears throat> okay, if, let, let's, let's say, let's go to 1981. I'm going to Nisqually. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere else, okay. but I'm going to be fishing the Nisqually March and April mm -hmm. because the water was always out of shape and a little dirty, and we didn't go down early. Do you know why? There was too many chums in the river. Sure. They were there Back from then. all the way yep. through February. They were a nuisance, mm -hmm. so we stayed away from there. So I would say I would go to the Bogusheel. Way back then. Yeah. I'd go to the Bogus Hill. And in, if it was 1984, it's closed now. The place is near and dear to my heart. It would be the Dosi Wallops or the Duckabush Rivers. And a lot of people Hood don't Canal. even know. You drive over those and you go, yeah. look at that yeah. little creek. Look at that little stream, Once right? Once upon a time, they were mm -hmm. beyond spectacular. So let's, let's get this straight. So, so number one is Bogus Hill? If you went back in time, best season ever, best river, yep. that's the Bogus Hill in 84. Yep. What's number two and three? Number number two and three would be, of course, be the Nisqually. Number three, are you ready? This was 1985. I wouldn't be going very far from home. I'd be when fishing. The, I'd be fishing the Puyallup yeah. and the Carbon. Yeah, mm. for good reason. Yes. We're okay. going to get into those statistics a little yeah. later, but yeah, mm -hmm. for good reason. Yeah. That was the heyday back then for those Puget Sound rivers. Believe it or not, we're talking in the heyday, some of these Puget Sound rivers and what they, what they produced. Right. Time they, when, and time again. When they opened up the Carbon River in 1983 for catch and release, it was a common day to hook between 10 and steel, 10, 6 and 10 steelhead a day. Yeah. And all I used to do was go down there and throw little Cleos. Unbelievable. Now, such wonderful. a great little river, yeah. too. Yeah, wonderful. Now, so is your criteria on those three that you just gave, is it always numbers of fish or was it also size of fish? Like, why did you say... Those three. Numbers. Consistency. Numbers. Consistency. Okay. Good fishing. If mm -hmm. I would have to say size of fish, there's two, two in the state. There's the upper Quinault. I do name rivers, by the way. Sorry. It's called the, yeah, the upper Quinault now, or, the, or the Salduck. Right. That's where you're going to get your giants. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So uh, favorite go-to, like your most utilized presentation or technique you would put out. Wow. You're leaving the house, and my rod absolutely has to be rigged with this. Again, it depends upon what river I'm going to sure, and uh, the type of water. Like if I'm going to the salt duck, I'm throwing a spoon in the salt duck. Sure. You know, because this fish is so aggressive and you make long cast, big, heavy water, et cetera, et cetera. Cover water. Cover water yeah, like mm -hmm. that. If I'm going to the Nisqually, mm -hmm. I'm drip fishing yeah. with an old rocket red corky and a chunk of uncured raw prawn. That was it. And that was it. We've talked about that in the past, that white fluorescence coming off of that mm -hmm. natural prawn. It almost yeah. has that purple haze UV. Natural purple UV. haze UV coming through. In clear water, that stuff just pops. That's when do we use UV, Dwayne? All the time. There you go. Anytime you get your hands on it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've made the mistake of going drift fishing in recent years, which was was mostly a, a wishing activity and not so much a fishing activity. <laughs> okay, yeah. sure, and it's also a gear donation activity as well. Absolutely. Yep. Can be. Can and, be. And, yep. uh, it was for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you my personal experience you, here. Yeah. So I got to know, like, drift fishing, is that 
a lost art? Does it still have its place? Is it a commonly used method today? Well, it's, it should be. There are times and places for everything. Okay, I, I, I can tell you a situation that happened to me on the little Salmon River on the coast, in the mm-hmm. tribal water, mm-hmm. uh, where they're fishing, you know, for hatchery. There's one spot where the water was dumping into a deep hole really fast. And the guys with floats, because the water's flowing fast up on top, it's sucking the floats right over where mm-hmm. the gear can get down. Sure. I followed them with drift gear, and I had a whole pool that I basically had never been fished. Sure. Because mm-hmm. my gear got down right away. And there was no float to suck away like that. So yeah. there are times and places where drip gear will still kick ass, like the upper Skagit last year, way up high, yeah. where we fish in catch and release season, yeah. way up. The water's mm. deep and strong and clear, and, and the water, uh, holding water is commonly 12 to 15 feet deep. Mm-hmm. Really hard to fish with a float. Yeah. But a big piece of stick lead and an oaky drifter, guess what? You're, you're in, the, in the zone. You're on. Yeah. See, there are times right and places on. for it. Yeah, absolutely. It. I want to hit you with a few statistics here relative to Puget Sound. I, okay. I was doing a lot of reading the last couple of days, pulling up some historical data, and it just it's kind of a mind blow. Yeah. So uh, hatchery production from 1900 to 1994, and I just picked some random highlights, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 1916, 5.1 million steelhead fry released into Puget Sound water. So mm-hmm. back then they're releasing fry. They sure. didn't really evolve to the hatchery programs or raising uh, smolt, you know, fingerling or smolt up to that point. Probably so, a lot cheaper, too. Yeah, oh, a tremendous mm-hmm. amount. 1939, 4.3 million fry and some fingerlings were released in the Puget Sound. Mm. 1976, 583,000 Snohomish smolt released, right? Uh, 77 Skagit system was getting 358,000. Wow. I mean, mm. these numbers are staggering. The Puyallup system in 1993, 336,4. Wow. Okay, tremendous wow. numbers. And of course, the Skagit River system in 1994, 446,000. So, you know, back in the 90s still, they were releasing a tremendous amount mm-hmm. of steelhead smolt into to, to the Puget Sound Basin. River, you know, river after river after river. Right, right. There were millions upon millions of steelhead smolt dumping into Puget Sound back in the 90s. It's pretty sad to see where it's gone at this point. So, wow. just to hit you with a little mm-hmm. bit of that. All right, we'll jump out for a quick break. We come back. More historical data and references from the general himself, Bill Herzog, after this break right here at Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. This summer, make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors awaits you. Hey, welcome back to the show, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, and of course, Bill Herzog. So, Bill, I want to kind of roll back still okay. here in the 70s and 80s. Uh, mm. What do you think when you were heading out? I mean, I see a lot of pictures with you and your drift boat, old red back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you and Mike and the boys and whatnot, hitting the water, dragging it around with your Toyota. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... A lot more time given to bank fishing and bank access because obviously we had so much more access back then. Sure, everything's yeah. locked up now. Everybody, private land everywhere. You can't even hardly get to some of our rivers. So, um, or you know, was it was it a lot of drift boat fishing because you could and it's just an efficient way to fish. Yes, all of it. All of the, <laughs> all of the, all of it. We fished a lot of small yeah. water back then. There was right, a lot of small rivers we got to, and there, of course, no boat fishing in those. If you, Probably could, but it'd be really dangerous and oh, stupid. Yeah. They didn't have pontoons back but then. But we used to like to pull plugs so much. Right. And, and, and you know, and, and casting out of the boat was always a lot mm-hmm. of fun, cover more water. But a lot of places that we drifted back then, we could have bank fished just as easily. But we liked 
we're big plug fishermen oh, yeah. back then, and we, mm-hmm. of course, it was the drip drip boat show. Yeah. So I know that you know back in the days, all the way up to today, you've always kept a journal. Yeah, yeah. I keep a journal too. It's a little bit different because mine's saltwater oriented, mm-hmm. but in that journal that you keep, what kinds of intel do you document so that you can go back and try to align, you know, characteristics of a certain day, certain month, certain river? Mm-hmm. What do you? What's in that journal? Everything that you see. It doesn't matter. Water conditions, the weather, the temperature, time of day, water clarity, what gear you were using, how, what you caught on that gear. It, it all matches up, and you lose time, too. You'll think back. you go, what day was I there? I think it was December 5th. You go back and look. Oh, no, it was December 15th. Wow, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd be shocked. You keep thinking, okay, the fish are early this year. They're late. No, they're not. They come at the same time <laughs> no, pretty not. much all the time. Right. When you have a journal. You can see these patterns develop that you know precisely when the fish are going to show mm-hmm. up. And it is lock solid. But every little tiny bit of thing, if you can think about it, write it down. No matter what is what I ate, okay, that can <laughs> write it down. Yeah. Right? Because often the white powdered donuts right. is what gets they, you the fish. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they can taste that sugar. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely got to the lucky food. You know, uh, keeping a journal today is just as ever much has ever much value as even back in the day even though you have all this intel on the interweb and stuff that yeah. we'll talk about here right. later on but um that's going to get you to a point exactly okay. so my point on that is get you to a if point. you go that's into right. a spot early on in your fishing you know career here and you you catch a you catch a steelhead and you're like i caught a fish in this hole using this exact gear you know tell a buddy or whatever or you take a buddy and this is what you do it's like no 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 man they're here we just got to keep just got to keep throwing it in there until they bite well, the one thing you're failing to recognize is the water might be flowing two and a half feet higher. It might be two and a half mm-hmm. feet lower. Mm-hmm. Conditions could be completely different. You could have had three feet of visibility. Right. Now we're gin right. clear. So right. without keeping a journal document and knowing exactly why that whole fish the way it did, as you kind of alluded to, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Some days you might get lucky, right. but more times than not, you're going to fail. So mm-hmm. good, good yeah. point on keeping the journal. Um, how many true 20-pound steelhead do you think you've landed and what presentation do you think has brought those fish to hand more than any other presentation that you're throwing out there? This is where the journal comes in handy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would just be, I know I, I've caught a, lots of them, you know, a yeah. bunch of fish. But most of them have come from British Columbia. I'd say a quarter of them came from the Olympic Peninsula mm-hmm. and some from the Skagit. Mm-hmm. But all my, all my fish were caught primarily with uh, three techniques with a fourth coming on later. Big spin, drift fish, a big spinning glow a spoon, a plug, and in the later years, a big pink worm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But th- those are the things going to get you a big fish. If I had two techniques, I can only pick two. I'm, I need a giant steelhead. I'm going to take a spinning glow, and I'm going to take a spoon, and spoon and plugs are right there. But right. I, 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 A lot of people will say plugs, and I kind of agree like that, but I'm Maybe because I throw spoons a lot more, yeah, yeah. but I've caught an awful lot of them on metal. It's anything that's big and intrusive, you know, because mm-hmm. giant buck steelhead are real territorial, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and often I used to like to use the analogy of the big dog laying in the yard. Okay, he's laying there in his house, and you throw him a little, little, little nibblet, little chewy thing, you yeah. know, and he's going to see it. He's going to be from here to Duane. He's going to go, Alex, yeah. it was right yeah. here. I'll eat it. Okay, that's like a bait, a bead. Something small, why, whatever, you know, yeah. it's right here, he'll take it. Now I'm going to take, 
a hissing cat and, throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and that dog is going to go probably grab his attention right okay, the hissing yep. cat is the plug right. it's the spinning glow it's yep. the spoon something big doing right. this like, right ah! right you used, to, you used to always say you know don't underestimate how big of a presentation these big bucks and whatnot can take mm -hmm. that sure. are hiding in cover because you could fit a full-size coke can in their mouth yeah or, or, or a lot or of truth a grapefruit right you know? uh yeah. let's jump to uh second round of a little bit of uh intel here steelhead recreational catches number by the numbers in 1984 and i know you were fishing so when i say green river duwamish and i pull numbers of over 7,200 steelhead caught by recreational mm. anglers in 1984 that's impressive then we jump to the puyallup Right? Yeah. And you said you would go there for good reason. In yeah. 1984, recreational anglers caught, caught, this isn't run size, this is no. caught and bonked, or mm -hmm. punch card, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. 10,305 steelhead. <laughs> now, mind you, when this was going on, I was right in the middle of it down oh, there, yeah. right? I would show up with either a spoon, like a little Cleo, mm -hmm. or a number 10 pink pearl corky. That's it, yep. right? And the water that year was really low, super low water year. The fish were piled in the lower end. I would say three quarters of the fish we caught were wild fish that we couldn't keep. Right. So think of how many fish were actually there. Actually in there. Yeah. Well, right. Uh, yeah. We let go so many, and we still took ten thousand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. the the the, yeah. the 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 Supreme River, of course, back then with the stocking numbers and what they were doing, sixteen thousand one hundred two steelhead caught in the Cowlitz River. <laughs> winter run. This doesn't include any summer run. This is winter run fish. Over sixteen thousand steelhead caught. In 1984, for the winter run of Steelhead, a state total, statewide for that year, 115,767 Steelhead were caught in the state of Just Washington. Winter wow. Just winter fish. Just winter fish. All right, we're running up against Unreal. it here. Got a wow. little bit long, but we're going to jump out for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We come back. More historical data of what it was. Man. Steelhead fishing in the Northwest with Bill Herzog right after this break, right here, Fishing Northwest. You haven't been here, but you know it. You've heard the sounds, smelled the air, and seen where your heart lands, if not yet. You haven't been here, but you've longed for a destination near or far, where the young and old find rest and excitement, not apart. You haven't been here, but you're on your way to a place not far. ExploreTheDowls.com all right, welcome back here in studio, Dwayne England, Tommy Dolan, and yes, Herzog hasn't left yet, so that's. Hey, he's still here. No, I'm a, still here. He's still here. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Got some pretty uh, amazing fishing rods sitting next to you that were. Aren't, aren't they? Yeah. Fun? One they of are one, amazing. Yeah, one of these, the old pictures that I sent yes. from 1983. Yeah. That is the same rod and reel. I think I saw you holding mm. the fish in 1980 something on the Nisqually there with that rod and reel. Mm, that you little know, Shimano band. If, if this yep. thing could talk, wow, oh, yeah. it would have its own show. <laughs> it would have its own show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, speaking of which, uh, and you kind of already mentioned it, but I want to go back on this because we'll, we'll actually tie it into today as well. If you wanted to pursue a trophy steelhead, Canada excluded. Okay. I'm going to leave that out because you got such a history up there. Mm -hmm. um, where would you go? You know, was it Puget Sound? Was it the coast? I think you already kind of mentioned it. So, think about back then. Where would you go now? Well, see, back then, our Puget Sound streams, uh, uh, the Skagit had some, the Skykomish had some. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of giant steelhead around. There right. were a lot of fish, but the real monsters, we didn't have them around no. here mm. that much, okay. right? Skagit would have been your best bet back then, probably, right? Probably For a bigger back, fish, yeah, then, I'd agree with that. Right now, if I said, if I wanted a 20-pound steelhead, simply a 20, yeah. I would go to the Bogashiel, 
I would go mm -hmm. to the Salduck. Mm -hmm. And if the Quinault was open, I'd go of there. Of course, yeah. You know, but mm -hmm. your, your best bet right now, if you really want a giant fish, is the Salduck. You know what mm. blows a lot of people's minds and uh, when they realize this, that every single season, when we could fish it, now we've been closed for three years, unfortunately, the Wainuti will kick out 20-pound hatchery steelhead. Oh, mm. boy. Every mm. year, there's a couple caught. Buddies of mine who guide there consistently or did, uh, every year they would boast a couple 20-pounders with clients on jigs, on beads, fishing the upper stretches, in the little buckets, in the little bathtubs, 20-pound hatchery fish. Well, and they're the, impressive. The Lake Aberdeen strain of fish they used to use back right. then, they only bought it, they only got the big ones. Yeah. I've got a 17-pounder back in the day, right. hatchery fish, yeah. and we lost bigger ones. Sure. Mm. So they've been there for a while, you yep. know, since the early 80s. They, yep. They've been there. So, yep. yeah, mm. you, want a, you want a giant fish, you know, genetics mean everything. Yeah. That's what we should be doing with our, our hatchery salmon as well, instead of using the Green River strain, mm. which is really ones. not no. that great of a fish. Not a durable fish. I mean, and then you look at what they're doing in Chile. You know, oh, yeah. with, with all of those 50-plus pound Chinook salmon. A 50-pounder down there is a jack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. 50-pounder yeah. down there is a, a bait. Well, they just yeah. caught the world record. It was like 106 pounds Incredible. or something. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> it had an adipose in the size of your shoe. Sure, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, unbelievable. So, hey, you talked you talked about guiding Dwayne a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, and I know, Bill, you guided on the Skagit as well. Yeah, now, yeah. Was, that a, was that a drift boat program? Was that a power boat program? And then what, what was that experience like? It was wonderful because everybody got along so great. You couldn't fish under power, but you could, okay. use, a, you could use a jet boat, but you had to shut me. You know, I did a lot of side drifting back then. Well, I had a small jet boat, right, that I could row. I was a sneaky some gun back then, man. I'd run down, guys, and all the drift boats would be pulling plugs. I'd run down below them and get in below there and shut my motor off. And I'd plug with oars, and I'd just burn the entire pools up. And then when they caught up with me, I'd go back upstream and refish it. Hmm. Wasn't that type of boat setup eventually named the Skagit? Like, you saw guys running around these yeah, little yeah. sleds with oars, and it yeah, was yeah. for that reason right mm -hmm. there. And it actually, it, it was developed in those technique principles on the Skagit right. River. You could buy a boat that was called the Skagit. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched oh, no those kidding. guys doing it, and I go, that's a really good idea. I'm going to do that. And so I, I, I loved fishing back then, mm -hmm. man. We had... Uh, Wow, I'm gonna start crying. It's all gone, unfortunately. I actually saw an episode with Larry Shorenborn fishing the West back in the day. There, he was fishing with a guide out here on the Satsup River in December, or January for steelhead, and he had his boat, his, his sled set up like a Skagit. He had the oars on there. Mm -hmm. You're pulling plugs mm. with the oars. He'd power back up river. Yeah. it was the Skagit setup transplanted into the Satsup River in the heyday of catching big wild steelhead on the Satsup mm. River. Unbelievable, those days are gone. All right, a little more trivia before we jump out for this break. Queets uh, River run size, 1972-1973 season. The actual run size that came in. We're talking steelhead here. We're not talking any other salmonid species. We're talking steelhead. 1972-1973, 160,000 plus. Whoa! Run size coming into the river. Okay? Unreal. In the early 70s. Um, the catch record that year, recorded catches for recreational was 10,500. And remember mm. back then, a lot of guys didn't go all the way to the coast. Right. They didn't have to. We had such great fishing around metropolitan areas. Yes. Like, I thought about go to the Puyallup and I'd have, you know, these six to ten fish days. I don't need to go all the way to the hole and I can go 15 minutes from my mm. house and have great fishing. Right. Why do I need to travel? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people do the same thing back then. Maybe they'd go out there for something mm -hmm. different, something to do. Yeah. Other than that, 
there had to be way better fishing. I don't think that many people were actually there. Huh. <laughs> and now, right? here we are. We yeah, are forced no to drive, well, yeah, right? We're all right. pigeonholed in a couple drainages. Yeah. Um, and to finish that up, the natural spawner escapement back then was only 4,200 fish, and they were able to continue to, to keep that amount of fish coming back. But in sure. 2005, for some reason, co-management in the state, they dropped that down to 2,500. Hmm. So you drop... The, the numbers that you feel are required to keep these fish run sustained. And that's, that's kind of depressing. It so, is. Uh, yeah. All right, jump out for a quick break. We come back, second half of the show. We're going to really get into it now. What it is, mm. don't, I'm going to get you some tissue. Are you going to have to? We've <laughs> lost a lot. What it is, and we're going to break that all down and some trivia questions, second half of the show, coming up after this break, right here at Fish on Northwest. Hey guys, I'm Big Mike. Come on down to the Edge Pro Shop and see me. We've got all the best brands under one roof. We've got Hawken, Procure, Short Bus, Pro Troll, Yakima Bait, Get Them Dry Jigs, Northwest Bait Scent, Daiwa Reels, North Fork Lures, North Wild, Brad's, Superfly, Rocky Mountain Tackle, and of course, the greatest rods ever built, Edge Rods. Welcome back in studio here, Dwayne England, Tommy Dolan, and yes, Bill Herzog. And uh, we just walked through a pretty substantial amount of history. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very nostalgic. Right? Yeah, well, you history. know, we at least got to experience some of that. You experienced much more than I. 84 in the heyday, are those numbers I was throwing out? I was graduating high school, going on a vocational school. I was busy just trying to oh, get the good. life going. I had very limited time to even think about fishing at that, you know, that three, four year period there so i missed out on some pretty amazing stuff um great history lesson of what we had and what it was now let's take a little bit of look at what it is sure. like reality mm. check right mm. what it is uh i think we all know where this answer is probably going but what do you think is the number one thing that helps those dipping their toe into the steelhead pool for the first time or first multiple seasons trying to learn this you know crazy addiction that we all seem to get wrapped up in. What do you think is the number one aid that is uh, expediting their learning curve? Well, we have what they call a heart monitor learning curve going straight up. The <laughs> internet changed everything. For sure. It makes a steel header out of a brand new newbie mm -hmm. in no time. Yeah. But I like to use this analogy also. As you know, I'm a bowler, right? Yes. I could show you videos. Kingpin. I could have you anything you want to see on the internet, how you can average 220. Sure. Right now. Right. Here's what you need. Right. Here's your bowling ball. Yeah. Here's all the gear. There's the lane. You know what the guy's going to do? He's going to shoot 120, 130, 140. Time and time again. Because things change. Mm -hmm. Lane conditions change, right? right? Yeah. He's going to learn. I've got my got my bobber. I've got my pink beads. i got my worms. <laughs> Here I go. All right. I'm you nail bet. It. Yep. And if the conditions are right, yes, you will. Sure. But like you said, water comes up. You need more something with more visibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fish move. Mm -hmm. The only way to learn. You got to go out and do your ten thousand hours. Boots on the ground. Have to, yeah. Yes, you have to yeah. go out and still do it. Yeah. Your learning curve is steeper and easier. You don't have to go find books and magazines and things anymore. Now you can find out what to use right away. But you still got to know when to use it and where. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can be a good steelheader a lot quicker, but you still got to put your time in. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But when you think about like the technology in the rods, the reels. Mm -hmm the tackle and you look at all the techniques that were developed you know back in the 70s and 80s that produced just huge numbers of fish for those that you know had boots on the ground because there was no internet back then 
and then you fast forward to today and it's information overload when you compare the techniques from then to now are you seeing the same thing is there a difference like what was the technology game changer for steelhead fishing uh, it was definitely braided lines fluorocarbon um more sensitive rods it's uh, again my we have these wonderful tools now we never had before however we cut it was kind of necessity the reason these things got better is because it's sad because our fishing went down sure mm-hmm. we needed to fish better mm-hmm. and smarter for less you know back in the day the glass rod when you throw it out there and when you got pools full of steelhead you know you're, you didn't really need all this stuff it was totally yeah. unnecessary you know, and now we have all these bait cures and all this really great tackle right now. If we had it back then, it'd have been ridiculous. Yeah. But we didn't need it. For sure. Back then, it's it's all a matter of it happened because our runs are going down, which mm-hmm. is kind of sad. But um, you know, I'd say one of the uh, greatest advancements and that I put into my arsenal still use, and a lot of folks do. You and I talked about it for years on the radio. You introduced it into the Northwest Wild Country studio. People saw it on the TV via Comcast Sportsnet back in the day as the old homemade stick lead. Oh, baby. And now look at it. Yeah. Now look at where it's gone. It's manufactured by Momac. You can buy sure. packages of them, all different sizes. It's so applicable to so many different things. And uh, some some knucklehead back in the day even desecrated your drift boat by putting a stick lead under a bobber. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I will die on the hill that you're the first person to ever side drift uh, with a... With Bobber, with Bobber dog with Bobber a Bobber dog yeah, with a stick lead, right? The first one, yeah. Yeah, it's like it works mm-hmm. so well out here on this upper section of the bogus shield with our drift fishing. Big boulders and nasty. Crap and too. there it went, man. That stick yeah. lead just cruised on through, and it was so convincing. And we talked about so much the likes of like Bobby Kratzer. He switched to that years ago. Has never switched back. You go fishing with him on a day in his boat. Mm-hmm. Everything you're slinging under Bobbers is is stick lead for our good boy, reason. Over on the Clearwater. Mm-hmm. Said yep. he used one stick lead for an entire season. Yeah, go figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think it. Bobby Kratzer's probably still using the same stick leads that he started back in uh, 2012 when he first started I'll, doing I'll it. I'll tell you <laughs> what, my precious Oki drifters here, mm-hmm. I still have lots of them because of the stick lead. Absolutely. If yeah, I wasn't for the stick reason. lead, I would have been out years ago. Prize giveaway. Uh, question before we jump out for break, and this information was thrown out there a little bit ago early on in the show. You may have to go back and take a look to get your answer. But uh, question, what was the smolt plant on the Skagit River system in 1994. Where do I, I went? Nope, I sorry. Oh, uh, denied. All right, what was the smoke <laughs> plant on the Skagit River system in 1994? Jumping out for a quick break, we come back. More of what it is, Steelhead Fishing with Bill Herzog, right here after this break, Fish on Northwest. New days, new beginnings, new friends, new loves, new dreams, New goals, new scenery, new job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. All right, welcome back here in studio to the show uh, with in-studio guest Bill Herzog. So uh, we kind of talked about that bobber dog thing a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Now let's let's get into this. I want to I want to talk about this. I want to talk about my vision when I right. think. So, Bill, you and I have fished together once on Rufus Woods, mm-hmm. and I think we've talked fishing less than a handful of times collectively, right? Mm-hmm. Um, saltwater world, freshwater world, for the most part. So, I have this vision of Bill Herzog, 
and it's like the king on his throne, <laughs> this big fancy jacket, you know, and and just you look down upon the peasantry that's using <laughs> that's using bait, right? And, oh dear. and, and along with animals. bait. Again, it's my perspective. I'm not saying this is reality, guys. True, I'm just right. saying, like mm-hmm. when I when when Tommy's I because you know, I hear how much you love the gear, right? Not the no, you're, not you're as much the bait. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so so and then one of those things, you know, I see you on your crown, and then all these people using bait below you, and um, <laughs> I use them for and along with that, right? Along with those methods that are that are below the the crown are um, is bobber dogging. Because in the past you've referred to bobber dogging is like you're using training wheels, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. that is that still your thought or is it your thought? All you need to do is watch guides. Do you, do you see any of them pulling over, handing them spoon rods or drip gear Mm-mm. or even a regular float? No, because you have to learn how to mend. You have to learn. It takes so much to get to this point. It's a godsend for somebody that does, has brand new people. They all get a pass, okay? You want them to catch steel, you want them to feel the mm-hmm. power of a steelhead, appreciate what they're doing out there and get them into fish, give them something that they can use immediately and be successful. That's, and that's Sign not, me up. Especially, <laughs> it's an artificial lure. You're not killing smolts. Yeah. You're catching fish uh, under the regulations, and, and it's, it's a great way to fish. So I, However, uh, I think it was introduced to me back in 2004. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, eventually Oregon caught on. They started doing it a handful of years sure. ago. And But, you know, it, it was shown to me clear back in 2004. And we did it for a number of years. And I can tell you by putting the stick lead under a float and bobber dog and covering water, it's just, it's almost flawless. Now, um, the benefit I saw out of all those years rowing drift boats and whatnot and getting to good water that's going to hold fish and stuff, it is a great in-between water presentation. In other words, fish in the fringes, the shallows. You always used to say, hey, they're not very tall. Sure. And a lot of people are blazing by this water, right? Well, between this hole and that hole, there's pockets where those fish might be holding, and there might be enough current to push your float along. And instead of casting at every one of those little pockets, you know, to let that float, if you're mending it right and feeling it back and forth and into those pockets and dropping, if you're actually mending it correctly, you can feel the tick of that weight on the tip of the rod. I mean, it can be a very efficient way to fish for those that really know what you're doing with it. But it is also training wheels for those trying to learn because sure. it takes the guesswork out. You don't even have to mm-hmm. read water. It's put it, putting your presentation in the travel lane, right? Mm-hmm. It is, um, it's self-adjusting either vertically or perpendicular. I mean, it'll, it'll elongate or go vertical if it gets too deep. It's just like the ultimate autopilot I've ever seen when and it comes to fishing. it's very hard to take your foot off of first base. Sure. When you find something that works as well. <laughs> right. Right? Something yes. that works as well. Right. Um, we could get into the you know, thesis and all this of sure. why mm-hmm. people change deck because they want a little more of a challenge. Right. Or right. there's some places where that those don't work. Mm-hmm. A lot of water where it doesn't work. Right. It's up to you to figure out where to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with it. But right. I do challenge somebody if that's the only way you fish and don't fish any other way. Mm-hmm. It's like a PGA golfer only playing putt putt. <laughs> Pretty close. You can only be so successful. Oh, <laughs> I love right. it. I love that it. Right. So, you know, I always like to look at like technology development over time, mm-hmm. how things change, how they improve, when it happens, why it happens. You know, when you think about steelhead fishing, I mean, one, one element of steelhead fishing is the bead. And on the face of it, you think, well, how much can you really 
a bead really change over time. But started out as a steelhead thing, kind of crossed over into the salmon arena too. You know where it Can started out as? Mm -hmm. Right there. That is a translucent, uh, kind of a, not, not a full floater, but just mm -hmm. kind of a neutral buoyancy. Neutral buoyancy, yeah. Yep. And, it, and light shines through it just yep. like a bead. Productive bead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically the old school Oki Drifter, the translucent. There's the OG bead mm -hmm. right there. It's the same the original. size. Yeah. 100%. So you're just basically yeah. using something a, a little softer and about the same color and the same translucency. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. And drift fished or under a float bobber dogging, it kind of has the same presentation, mm -hmm. size, you know, um, attitude in the water. So I, I think beads have been wonderful. It got guys away from using row. For sure. Yeah. You know, yep. finally, you know, for years on the peninsula, when I first started fishing over there after the Skagit closed down, I'd watch guys who were side drifting back mm -hmm. then, right? Mm -hmm. With row, and I'd, I'd watch him killing smolts and cutthroats, and just oh my god! Yeah, was, and, and even steelhead gargle, you know, sure. gargle eggs, and you couldn't. And, and it, was, it was brutal watching yeah. the carnage. When they switched over to artificials, because they worked so well, and you didn't need bead, these fish were never hooked mortally. Sure, mm -hmm. and it, it was a godsend yeah. for them mm -hmm. things to show up. It's been evolutionary for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, before we get out here on this quick break, um, trivia question. What was the state total catch record in 1984? I stated it a couple times. What was the total winter steelhead state total catch record in 1984? And with that, we'll jump out for a quick break. We come back a little bit more about the Oki Drifter, the evolution of the new Oki Drifter, and where yeah. this is all going with Bill Herzog right after this break right here at Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. All right, welcome back here in studio as we continue with our uh, trip down the road of what it is. So, Bill, you mentioned the OG, the original yes. Oki Drifter. I can tell you I caught yeah. my very first steelhead back in 1974, 12 years old, on the Pelop River above Alderton on an original Oki Drifter. How about that? Because and so that's what we used back that's then. That's what we used back then. Mm -hmm. Drift fishing with about an 18 to 20 inch liter uh, silver eagle claw single hook. And uh, lead in surgical tubing, the mm -hmm. the original drift fishing method Probably that we Stren or you know, original Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, it's pretty interesting where this is going. Now you had written a, a phenomenal article, and folks haven't seen it. It's been STS has been sharing it once again up on the the old interwebs there, and it's a great read. You go back to the day of you know the introduction of the Oki Drifter to you. Matter of fact, I think you left a suitcase full of Oki drifters that were offered up to you back wow. in the day up in Canada, right? You know, you know I've Ouch. done a few really stupid things in my life, but I walked away from a lunchbox full, full of, of these, the yeah. original, mm -hmm. number three, Sunrise, you know. Unbelievable. manufacturing. That guy, the owner of the lodge, offered them to me, yep. and I went, oh, I don't need those, I don't use those back where I come from. So I took up like a handful of these home with me, fished them in our home water, and oh my goodness, uh -huh. I'm like, what? Couldn't wait to get back to the next day. I go, where them Okies at? Oh, oh I gave them away to somebody. Some <laughs> somebody had like, <laughs> What do you have? Now, I bring that up because yeah. mm -hmm. in the article, you you are quoted in there saying, I challenge any modern-day tackle manufacturer mm -hmm. of today 
to reinvent, recreate the original Oki Drifter. Not, okay, so Maxwell Manufacturing started these back mm -hmm. in the day, sold it to Lure Jensen about 1970. A lot of these in this bag here are the Lure Jensen models. There's some, there's some OGs in there, but the differences between the original and the Lure Jensen are what? So people okay. understand. These huh? are two-piece plastic. They were made in two separate molds and had to be glued together, each one by hand. Right. Time-consuming process. Right. So when Lure Jensen got it, they thought they'd accelerate the processing. They gave, in, injected uh, uh, polystyrene. Right. Instead, injected polystyrene. And then painted them. Yeah, which mm -hmm. basically made it a corky uh -huh. or a cheater. Yep. Made them nothing different but just a little bit different shape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they're not the same because light goes through these. They look like real eggs. So Joe That's over right. at Robilize mm -hmm. has now started making the... Oki Drifter, again, uh, right? And this box that he sent me is full of various colors and whatnot of the Oki Drifter. Mm. And, Tomo Mr. Robolize. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> so now, have, have you have you fished these, these new ones? Absolutely, I have. Yeah? The light pink ones I got a hold of last year, took them up on the peninsula during air clear water conditions, and the light pink ones destroyed they worked really, really well to the point that I didn't have to break these out of my box. That's right. You and can save those. And that really them tickled me that I didn't have to use my OGs, <laughs> that these things were the same shape. Fish is, that's the killer right there. Okay. So that's the pink. That's the dude. Uh, light pink. Number three. Boom. And the cool thing about this is it does bring you back. Hold you hold it up to the light, light and yeah. you get that translucent look through it. He makes mm -hmm. the clear ones, too, that you can paint right. yourself. But he has a variety of colors here. And, uh, you know, mission accomplished. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. he is hammering these out. He has a number of printers kicking these things out. He packages them up. Uh, Jordan, throw that slide up there again. Robolize, you can find him on uh, Facebook and social media platforms. Yeah. Joe's a great dude. He's, he's kicking these things out like crazy. You can buy different color sizes, different um, numbers of uh, per package. It is as close to the OG Oki Drifter that you and I grew up fishing, yeah. that we're going to find in today's society. Well, he yeah. sent me some before. He says, how do these right, work? And right. I, went, I went, well, do this and this, and then he did it. You say the result right there. Yeah, They're perfect. yeah right. They're yep. perfect. Well, and speaking of technology again, and you kind of briefly mentioned it, but these are 3D printed. Correct. And 3D printing technologies come a long way. A long ways. And, you know, they, can, they have resins and polymers now that are super resilient, mm -hmm. tough, don't crack, right? Because these things are actually hollow, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the last thing you want is, you know, you hit it on a rock, you get a crack, oh, now you're getting water in there. Water, yep. But you, it, haven't, you it, haven't seen any of that I with these. I make it cast too long once I'm out these. Yeah. And it hits the rock, and I hear it go, I'm like, oh. And then it's cracking it in half, right? 31. Yeah. <laughs> and now you don't need to worry about that. No, exactly. right? fishing, fishing the new technology, so hats love off it, to Joe. Yeah. Hey, you challenged him. He answered the call, man. Oh. And he's kicking it out there. I cannot wait to fish these on the OP start in January. I'll be out there a number of times. so love them. I it's going to be fantastic. All right, final, uh, final uh, question, uh, prize giveaway question of the evening. What was the Queets River run size for season 1972-73? What was the Queets overall run size of, of winter steelhead for season 1972-1973? Jump out for a quick commercial break. We'll be back to close out with Bill Herzog right here, Fish on Northwest. The Fives Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. 
All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defias Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. All right, welcome back here in studio with Bill Herzog as we wind down the show. Mm -hmm. uh, great little walk down memory lane, my friend. I'll tell you, it was... Uh was a lot, was a lot of fun, a little sad, but uh, in final final thought, anybody out there are steelhead fishermen who are under forty years old. Mm -hmm. when, when they feel like, say, they fished the Wainuchi and the Satsup and the Hump Tulips, and they loved it, and that's their place, and you lost it, you kind of right. get a feel for what we had to go through, you know, but we've lost so much over the oh, years. Yeah. And if there's any reason to fight for what we have, right, you felt it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to be active, mm -hmm. pay attention. Follow along the information Tommy and I try to put out there yeah. week in, week out when we cover this stuff. Decisions at the state level, the commission, what is going on between co-management or lack thereof at times. You know, this is getting very, very frustrating to keep losing, 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 right? Yeah. And so Grace Harbor is now our new Puget Sound. And uh, everything's mm -hmm. closed. North Puget Sound is kind of making a resurgence, though. Well, we should have some numbers here in the near future from Chase Gunnell and some others at DFW on that North uh, Puget Sound area. Mm -hmm. Skagit opportunity may be coming this uh, February, which would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Skagit sock. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to get up there and catch and release on some of those wild fish. You want to talk about your 20-pounder. I got a go. 19 last year. Yeah, yeah you did. That's there, solid. How about that? Wow. Very well, solid. So, yeah, um, you know, we could talk on this topic for hours. We well, barely scratched the surface. <laughs> <laughs> we only They only give us an hour, so we got to try to wrap up into this as much as we can. So, can't thank you enough for coming over. I know you got to get back on the road and head home tonight because apparently pleasure, there's snow guys. coming Snow coming in the morning. Huh? Well, That's right. It's wintertime. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> it is wintertime, mm -hmm. although it's a little warm uh, as it is. So, uh, Tommy, last show uh, of the season, my friend. So, hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year. Looking forward to kicking off 2024. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And we'll just get right back into it as we move through the season and see what we get. So, um, you can see me again. I will, for sure. Want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. God bless. We will see you in 2024. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.